Hello, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, we're going to run through the top 10 most popular funds and investment trusts among Interactive Investor customers in 2023 and compare the rankings with a year earlier. So this top 10, it's based on the number of buys and this year's data is to the end of November. Now, it's always interesting to see what other investors are doing with their money. And while I caution against just picking a fund or an investment trust on the basis of it being popular, it can, as part of your wider research, provide food for thought for your own investments. Joining me to discuss the most popular funds and trusts of 2023 is friends of the pod, Sam Benstead. So before I bring Sam in, I just want to briefly run through what's not changed with the respective top 10s. So starting off with funds, eight of the top 10 have year on year kept their places in the top 10. And as was the case last year, funds with equity, it is still the most popular fund. And then the rest of the top 10 are mainly index funds, which passively follow the up and down movements of a particular index. So investors are generally amongst funds favoring going global. So for the passive funds, this is reflected by three of the Vanguard Life Strategy funds being in the top 10, the 100%, 80% and 60% versions. Other global index funds that feature in the top 10 are Vanguard FTSE Global All Cap, Vanguard FTSE Developed World XUK Index, LNG Global Tech Index, and HSBC FTSE All World, which is actually a new entry into the top 10 for 2023. Going global, it continues to be a big trend, which to me reflects that investors are wanting to be highly diversified and just let global stock markets do the work for them by investing passively rather than having more focused exposure to a particular region. Indeed, in the top 10 funds, the only regional play is the Vanguard US Equity Index. For investment trusts, six have kept their places in the top 10 compared to a year ago. The top two positions are unchanged, which are Scottish Mortgage and City of London. And then from third to sixth in the rankings are Greencoat UK Wind, FNC, BlackRock World Mining and Alliance Trust. With investment trusts, income is a big theme. It was the case last year as well, but I think this has become even more pronounced in 2023. There's lots of uncertainty out there. Investors are you know, trying to keep their returns ahead of inflation, which has become a lot harder to achieve given we've had this high inflation backdrop. And an investment trust to have a decent yield, it's just something for investors to hang their hat on. So we'll come on to cover the funds investment trust that entered and exited the top 10s shortly. But before we get to that, Sam, what are your thoughts on the funds and investment trusts that have remained in the top 10s and particularly Fundsmith Equity and Scottish Mortgage remain on top of the tree? So I think it's not that surprising that these two funds are still very popular. They're both part of the Super 60. If we look at performance, then you see a real difference between the two. So looking back over 12 months, if you held Fundsmith Equity, you're probably quite happy with how you've done, but you won't be over the moon. So 12-month returns for Terry Smith's fund are 10%, including dividends. And that compares with 13% returns, including dividends for a global tracker fund. So actually, just owning the market would have meant beating Terry Smith and his 25 or so hand-selected companies. That's not too bad, given that active funds can be volatile. 
um, stakes in Microsoft and Novo Nordisk have really helped Terry Smith. But he sold Adobe and Amazon before the rally in tech shares, which has definitely hurt him as well. He might be regretting those decisions. If we look at Scottish mortgage, then shareholders won't be happy after a difficult 2022 2023 or you know looking at the past 12 months we're nearly at the end of the year shares are down three percent so compare that with the 13 percent gain for owning the msci weld index and you won't be too happy part of that is due to the discount rising so it hit about 20 percent in the spring and summer of this year and that was mainly due to the to the large share of the portfolio in unlisted companies so about 30 percent over the course of the year and investors are basically telling the trust that actually they don't believe the relatively high valuations of these shares. And they think a lot of these these technology companies, things like SpaceX and and ByteDance in China, aren't as highly valued as Scottish Mortgage thinks they are. So a 3% drop, but actually the discount has started to narrow. It's at 13% now. And over the past three months, um, performance has, has picked up for Scottish Mortgage. So if, if you're looking out over the next couple of years, maybe the pain is over for that trust. It's always going to be volatile and, and two years of, of disappointing returns may set it up for you know a better future. That's completely spot on, Sam. It is the private equity exposure, which accounts for around 30% of the portfolio of Scottish Mortgage that continues to have you know negative investor sentiment associated towards it, which has really um, held back the share price year to date in 2023. Scottish Mortgage, of course, has some exposure to the AI theme with artificial intelligence. It has NVIDIA as one of its top 10 holdings, but that's not been enough to offset its exposure to private equity. Now, let's move on to what's changed in terms of the most popular funds. So in the top 10, there's been two new entrants this year. One of them I've already mentioned, which is HSBC FTSE All World Index. Now, the other one, Sam, it's an active fund, and we've really seen it climb up the league table this year. And that active fund is Royal London Short-Term Money Market. Could you talk us through why this fund has become so much more popular with investors? Yeah, and this is really interesting. If you'd asked me three, four years ago whether a money market fund would be the most bought fund on the platform, I really wouldn't have said that was likely at all. But it's all due to rising interest rates. And money market funds own bonds maturing soon, so that could be a couple of months. They they put money in bank accounts. They own gilts. Anything that is kind of cash-like, they're trying to generate a guaranteed return by owning safe assets for investors. And this Royal London Money Market Fund has been really successful at doing that. It charges just 0.1% in fees. And the distribution yield at the moment is about 5%. So that beats many um, many bank accounts that pay an income to investors, many savings accounts. And also you can hold this in an ISA and a SIP. So there are tax advantages there. It's become popular because of that income. And I think it's become popular as well because people are quite worried about what the future looks like. And if you can get 5% in a cash-like investment, that is very attractive versus investing in the stock market, which is very uncertain and very, very volatile. It's not the only money market fund out there, although it is the most popular on the platform. A few others worth mentioning include the Premier Mighton UK Money Market Fund, which yields 5.6% at the moment, the LNG Cash Trust and Fidelity Cash, which both yield about 5.2%. And in terms of where money market funds sit on the risk spectrum, they are one of the lowest risk types of funds that investors can buy. But it's important to point out that it is not as safe as a savings account. And indeed, there's no, for example, there's no financial services 
compensation scheme protection for money market funds, whereas there is for savings accounts. So I think you just need to be comfortable with the level of risk. But in terms of investment risk, it is one of the lowest out there for funds. Now, in terms of the two funds that exited the top 10 this year, they are Vanguard FTSE UK Equity Income Index and the Bailey Gifford American Fund. I think the exit of the passively managed UK fund is just further reflection of how unloved the UK stock market is at the moment and continues to be. Whereas with the Bailey Gifford American Fund, you know, as we know, interest rate rises, they've caused a repricing of all different types of assets, but in particular, high growth stocks, they've been punished. They've seen their future earnings devalued by those higher interest rates. And in response, share prices have fallen, valuations have repriced, and it's really harmed the performance of funds that invest in high growth stocks. However, over one year, Bailey Gifford's American Fund, it's up 25.7% versus 11.6% for the average North American fund. So it's actually been performing well this year. You know, if you did sell this time last year, then you've missed out on its stage in a bit of recovery. However, over three years, it's still down quite heavily. Well, very heavily, really. It's down 36.1% versus an average gain of 27.4% for the sector average. You know, it's got a lot of technology exposure amongst its top 10 holdings, including Amazon, Nvidia, and Tesla. So if you held this fund for three years or, you know, a bit longer than that, you'd be hoping that, you know, in 2024, that its short-term performance continues to improve. And then, you know, the big loss that you've got over three years, it reduces. We're now going to move on to what's changed amongst the top 10 investment trust rankings. So as mentioned, there's four new entrants and four exits compared to a year ago. Interestingly, Amongst those that have exited, there's been a bit of a trend of wealth preservation investment trusts becoming less popular in 2023. So the two trusts that exited that invest in this way are Capital Gearing and Ruffer. I'll bring Sam in in a moment for his thoughts, but my, my initial observations are that given that interest rates have been rising, investors that are looking to put investments inside the defensive bucket of a portfolio they have a lot more choice now. You have things like money market funds that previously, a couple of years ago, you wouldn't have considered at all because the yields would have been hardly anything. Whereas now you've got a lot more options. So the job that Capital Gearing and Ruffer and, and other wealth preservation trusts do for your portfolio, it can now be saved by other investments that are offering greater certainty in terms of the yields. And in addition, um, the performances of uh, Ruffer and Capital Gearing, they've not been stellar over the past year. Over the past year, Ruffer's share price, for example, it's down 12.6%, while Capital Gearing's share price total return is down 7.7%. Sam, what are your thoughts on this trend of wealth preservation trusts becoming less popular this year? And in respect of Capital Gearing, you recently interviewed fund manager Peter Spiller, so what did he have to say about performance over the past year? I think this is really interesting. And if you'd if you could kind of paint a perfect environment for wealth preservation trust to outperform, you would have said a sluggish economy, high inflation, lots of uncertainty. But actually these trusts haven't really delivered. And when you consider that inflation was 10% at the start of the year and rough is down 12%, capital gearing off 8%, in real terms, you know, there's been a big loss of the purchasing power of your, your investment. So investors will be disappointed. But 
you know, that, that's not to say they're not useful and they're not doing a good job and th things will turn for them. So Peter Spiller was in the studio a couple of weeks ago and, you know, check out the video on, on YouTube. And he's always very interesting. And he was talking about the importance of owning inflation-linked bonds, given that interest rates have, have, have likely peaked, but inflation could remain high um, for the foreseeable future or higher than investors ex expect at least. So that was a really interesting conversation and rougher as well. And personal assets is the other one. They've got a lot invested in inflation-linked bonds. So what's gone wrong with capital gearing then? So there's a few things to highlight. They were quite overweight uh, real estate investment trusts, so REITs, and that part of the market has really suffered as interest rates have, have risen. Links back to what Carl was saying earlier about investors having an alternative for income. So 5% from a money market fund, it makes it less appealing to earn things like commercial property, where income is, um, is one of the big appealing things about the sector. The other thing is... Um, all these bonds have actually taken longer to rally than investors expected. So inflation has remained quite high for throughout this year and is only just starting to fall. So only over the past three or four months, we've seen a big bond market rally. Whereas actually, you know, if we go back to the end of 2022, most investors thought bonds would start rallying at the start of the year. It's taken till the end of the year for that to happen. And in relation to capital gearing specifically, um, there's been some issues with its discount control mechanism um, some legal issues about buying back the shares. So we're now looking at a 5% discount on the trust, which is extremely rare. And Peter Spiller told me that they're, they're working hard to, um, to sort out the legal problems and they'll close that discount as soon as possible. So lots of, um, lots of headwinds, but capital gearing, 40 years with Peter Spiller in charge. He's done an amazing job. And I wouldn't write these, um, these type of investments off just yet. I completely agree, Sam. Over the long term, those two wealth preservation trusts, as well as personal assets, they've all proven their worth for investors, despite the likes of, you know, capital gearing and rougher having a trickier time in 2023. Because it's not just the share price performance, it's also the performance of the underlying investments as well that has not lived up to expectations this year. So Ruffer's net asset value return is down 8.1%. Whereas capital gearings, net asset value return, it's also down 1.1%. That's not too bad, but, you know, both Sam and myself, we've interviewed Peter Spiller over the years and he does not like to lose money. And he's very rarely lost money in a financial year for capital gearing. I think it's only happened on two occasions. So this, this has been a more difficult period for the trust and hopefully going forward, things will improve for the better. So we've just spoke about those two wealth preservation trusts that exited the top 10, Capital Gearing and Ruffer Investment Company. Now, the other two investment trusts that have departed were Smithson and Polar Capital Technology Trust. On Smithson, I recently spoke to its full manager, Simon Barnard, and he made the point that it has been a tricky environment to invest in smaller companies because of this interest rate environment. This has caused many investors to dial down on risk. And due to this, smaller companies have naturally suffered from the backdrop. Now, while Fundsmith tends not to pay any attention really to the likes of macroeconomic events, market index movements, or what's going on in other asset classes, Barnard did tell me that he thinks a potential catalyst to revive the fortunes of mid and small cap stocks will be the peaking of the interest rate cycle which we may now be at. And Sam, I know you had a conversation with Kirsty Desson recently, and she was making the, the same point, really, wasn't she? Exactly. And the main reason why these trusts have performed so poorly recently is that interest rates 
went up, investors had better alternatives for their cash, and they were worried about companies whose valuations were linked to future profits. So interest rates go up, share prices go down. It makes sense that the opposite will happen if interest rates peak and come back down. And I agree with them. We should see a recovery when we see this market environment turn. But actually, you haven't seen so much of it yet. And you have seen a lot of other technology shares rally. So I just wonder if a lot of the attention, a lot of the money has gone into these mega cap technology shares where AI is a massive theme. It's captured investors' attention. And instead of looking at smaller companies to be winners in in new technologies, people have actually moved money to the largest ones like Microsoft and NVIDIA and and Meta and Google and said, actually, that's where the growth is going to be, even though these are giant companies. But let's wait and see. All these fund managers talk about how cheap smaller companies are at the moment. They say they're cheaper than larger companies, which is normally not the case because smaller companies imply greater growth. So if you are watching these trusts, then it, it could be a good opportunity to get back in because the sell-off has been big. And so hopefully, potentially, the rally will also be big. And you can check out Sam's interview with Kirsty Tesson, full manager of the Aberdeen Global Smaller Companies Fund, on our YouTube channel. Sam, what are your thoughts about Polar Capital Technology? I mean, that exited the top 10 most popular investment trust this year, whereas it was in the top 10 last year, which was a much more trickier period for technology. Whereas, as we know, in 2023, technology shares, they perform very well, particularly those that have got exposure to AI. I think this is really interesting. So Ben Rogoff, the manager, was also in the studio this year. Check out the interview. He's, he's a great speaker and has been investing in technology for a long time. And yeah, you're right. The shares of that trust are up 40% this year, but the trust is on a 13% discount. So returns have been great, but investors just aren't buying the shares. And I think there are a few reasons for this. I think investors are more and more drawn to passive funds. And actually, a lot of these AI winners are the biggest companies in the index. So actually, if you want to own them, you can just own a tech tracker or an S&P tracker or an MSCI World tracker and get plenty of exposure there. And I also think investors' confidence in technology, trusts and funds, so the likes of Bailey Gifford American as well can probably put into that group, has been shaken after such a difficult year last year that actually the volatility has put them off. And now that shares are rallying, they're a bit hesitant. They're a bit worried. They've been burnt by owning these in the past. And actually their their faith in them has been knocked a bit. And they're, they're actually quite happy just to own an index, which owns these giant companies, which are the leaders in AI. And for investors who want more focused exposure to technology and to AI, there's the likes of LNG Global Technology Index Trust. But one thing to bear in mind is that it's very concentrated and its top two holdings, Microsoft and Apple, account for individual weightings of 18% each. So we've talked about the four investment trusts that exited the top 10. So now I'll run through the four that entered the top 10 this year. And they are JP Morgan Global Growth and Income, Merchants Trust, Renewables Infrastructure Group, and Henderson Far East Income. I'll, I'll give a brief summary of how each of those investment trusts invest. But before I do, Sam... This income theme, it, 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 it continued to gather pace in 2023. I mean, it's, it's no surprise to me to see these names enter the top 10. Many of them have really big yields. Most of them yield over 5% or, or higher than that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this isn't surprising. And we've written so much about income this year. And consistently, these are our most read stories. And it shows that people are interested in actually using their 
their investment accounts to help them fund their lifestyle. And that is ultimately what investments are for, is to help, you know, you generate wealth and ultimately spend that money. So when when prices are going up and and share prices, or at least last year, this year, they've been a bit better of falling, taking that income stream does help bolster returns and give you some consistency. So it makes sense to me that income that income investments are very popular and especially those with, with the biggest yields. So I'll give a quick run through of each of them. So the first one, JP Morgan Global Growth and Income. So this adopts a total return approach. As the name suggests, it invests in a global manner and it's aiming to outperform the MSCI All Country World Index over the long term and its dividend yield is currently 3.8%. Next, Merchants Trust. So this uh, is a UK equity income investment trust that mainly looks to invest in higher yielding UK companies. And this is reflected by the trust having a yield of 5.2%. Next up is Renewables Infrastructure Group. So this investment trust, like its peers, have seen their share prices come under pressure this year due to the fact that there's now greater competition from bonds, which are offering their highest level of income in well over a decade. So Renewable Infrastructure Group share price is down just over 10% year to date. Its discount is currently 17%, but its yield is 6.6%. So this is a key attraction and its objective is to generate sustainable returns by investing in a diversified portfolio of renewables infrastructure that contribute towards a zero carbon future. So investors buying in now will be hoping for a change in short-term fortunes and the potential double whammy of the discount narrowing. But last but not least is Henderson Far East Income. So this has the biggest yield by far amongst the top 10 most popular investment trusts. It's currently just under 12%. However, in terms of its total returns, it's been a miserable couple of years, really. Um, Over one year, it's down 15.6%. Over three years, it's down 17.5%. And over five years, it's down 10.6%. I think this shows that having a high yield does not necessarily correlate with market beaten returns. And also for investors in this investment trust. And another thing to bear in mind is that its long-standing fund manager, Mike Kerrily, will be retiring, which has prompted a strategy review And in the future, the trust may attempt to strike more of a balance between delivering both growth and income. So you may not see that investment trust in the future have such a sky high yield. To finish off, Sam, what do you think is in store for 2024 in terms of the most popular funds and investment trusts? Do you think some of these trends that we've discussed today will continue or indeed, are there any new trends that you think that may emerge? So I think the technology theme will continue to be important and we should see some of the the specialist funds actually re-enter the top 10. So some, some of the technology offerings from Polar Capital, but also Fidelity Global Technology is a really popular and a strongly performing fund. I think AI is just going to become more important and companies and funds that invest in those winners will become more popular among investors. I think income is going to be even more important next year as well, but my take is that bonds, so bonds funds, will will actually rise up the priority list for income seekers. So sterling corporate bonds now yield 6%, um, gilts are at about 4%. So actually, that's a really attractive level of income from fixed income. And because inflation is now falling, 
it means that central banks have got a lot more leeway to to cut interest rates and and boost bond prices if there is um, weakness in the economy. And that hasn't been the case over the past couple of years. So I think bonds could become more important. And then finally, I'd say the story of active versus passive with passive more and more the winner. I think that's going to be the same next year. And I think, you know, the the big passive funds tracking tracking global markets and, and the US stock market will continue to be very popular. My only other thought to add to yours, Sam, is that I can't see an investment trust investing in this way, getting in the top 10. But I do think, you know, below the surface, I can imagine that these types of funds and trusts will get more popular next year. And that is UK funds that specifically focus on mid and small cap companies. You know, there's, there's a lot of funds and investment trust choice out there. But one that I particularly like is Henderson Smaller Companies Investment Trust. I do think at some point the market will turn for smaller companies and it'll turn quickly. So I think there's a danger that you you buy in too late and you miss the start of the rally and you, you miss miss out on a lot of returns. And it could be that peaking of the interest rate cycle, which you know a couple of fund managers we've mentioned have been talking about. There is the risk of obviously a recession happening next year. But from fund managers I speak to, a lot of them say this has been priced into that part of the market, the mid and small cap part of the market. So, you know, I think over the very long term, smaller companies, they've produced outsized returns over larger companies. And I do think at some point that long term investment phenomenon will come back into play. My thanks to Sam and thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. And if you get a chance, leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you like to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. In the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website at ii.co.uk. See you next week.